It was the best of times. It was the blurst of times. <laughs> Daddy, I want a squirrel. Puppets are bad. She's a blueberry, but she's still a child. What? What are we watching? <laughs> Hello, and welcome to episode number five of Cursed or Blurst. And we just did a double danger, double dip and dare. <laughs> a horrible, horrible marathon. <laughs> <laughs> We're on multiple beer counts now. Yep. And it's necessary, and I don't think it's enough. No, I was looking for something stronger, especially in the latter half of the marathon. If you listened to last week's episode, you will have remembered that we were planning this week to watch both 1970s Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory and 2005 Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, which I don't know if you're gonna believe this, is actually based off the same book. <laughs> it's the same plot, you guys. <laughs> we watched both of them in one go. I'm not sure that was so wise. And Shannon, you did one extra to that. Oh my god, I spent. I was doing data entry at work today, so I spent the entire day listening to the audiobook to refresh my memory about what was actually in the book. I'm in a weird headspace. I've listened- it's a very simple plot, and I've listened to it three times today. <laughs> <laughs> I have come in with some knowledge of the Broadway musical, which is more murder-filled than the other iterations. Um, but pretty much the same. Yeah, these ones only imply murder. Happy Halloween! We're a bit late to it. <laughs> um, what we did this episode was we bought uh, a Wonka bar from Edinburgh's Kingdom of Sweets, which is a shop I loathe. I hate it so much. And this week I was only happy because I found my favourite American import nutter butters. That shop is cursed. I think we can... Solidly say cursed. <laughs> yeah. It just smells like... Like chemicals. Yeah. You said that when you came back with the Wonka bar, that it smelled chemically in there. I mean, but then I had an issue with what I said immediately, because really, what doesn't smell of chemicals? That's true. But it smells of the chemicals you don't normally put inside your body. Yes. It smells like cough medicine. Mmm. Like the things... That are banana flavored, but not bananas. Which I sometimes put in my body, but not habitually. Yeah. So we have one of these Wonka bars, and I thought it'd be fun if we opened it while recording. We could take an end each, and we're just going to see if they've put a golden ticket inside. If they haven't, I'm going to be furious. I mean, I don't want to ha have be turned into a blueberry. Oh, oh no! no. There's no, no golden There's no ticket. golden ticket. But listen, I think the metal ticket would make the candy taste bad anyway, Grandpa Joe. <laughs> so really, aren't we just glad we have the fairly mediocre milk chocolate? Yeah, this is... I put it down. I'm definitely going to eat the rest of this. I mean... It's fine. It's been infused by the rank smell of the Kingdom of Sweets. That's true. It smells a little bit like candy floss in there, mm. which always makes me feel a bit sick. Kingdom of Sweets, Princess Street, Edinburgh, two out of five would not return. Mm -hmm. Even though they had Pop-Tarts there. So now that's out of the way, now we know that we're not lucky winners of 
whatever the Wonka bar would get us. We're not lucky victims. <laughs> We're not going to have some horrible body horror happen to ourselves. Let's let's dip in. We're not going to spend too long talking about the plot of this one. Pretty much everybody knows the everybody plot. Everybody knows. Just like fire through right quick. Uh, Shannon, did you want to take the lead on this because you've read the book today? <laughs> oh my god, okay. The skeleton of the plot that's in all the versions of this, a little boy named Charlie, he's very poor, lives very nearby this very famous chocolate factory, and discovers that Willy Wonka, who owns the chocolate factory, has sent out into the world five golden tickets, and the golden tickets give five lucky children entry into the chocolate factory. They could be anywhere in the world. The children who get the tickets are in order, correct me if I'm wrong here, Augustus Gloop, yep. Violet Beauregard, Veruca Salt, Mike TV, and then Charlie. Charlie gets the last ticket. He only gets one chocolate bar every year on his birthday. The golden ticket's not in there. Then he, his grandpa Joe gives him some extra money, goes out to the shop to buy another candy bar with it. It's not in there either. He finds some money in the snow buys another chocolate bar, it's not in there. With the change, buys a fourth chocolate bar, and that one has the golden ticket in it. All the kids go to the factory and are picked off one by one by random horrors, and the <laughs> Oompa Loompas sing mean songs about them. Mm -hmm. um, and then in the end, Willy Wonka gives Charlie the factory. And that is the plot. Did I miss anything important? <laughs> No, but you did give me enough time to eat some chocolate there. Um, no, you didn't. So, that's a nice simple plot that the first movie sticks to. Uh, so when we're talking about the movies, when we say the 1970s one, we mean the movie titled Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, starring Gene Wilder. When we say the 2005 one, we mean the Tim Burton film starring Johnny Depp that was made in 2005, obviously. Yeah, the one where he looks like Michael Jackson and everything's horrifying. Everything's terrible. <laughs> How do you want to break this down? By section? Yeah, I feel like when we were watching this, there were clearly two sections in each one, before the factory and in the factory. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realise it was so segmented, but it is, there's a lot of movie in each one before the factory actually features, before Willy Wonka actually features. Like, it, halfway through in the first one. It's And it's the same when I was reading the book. I think I texted you saying, I'm on chapter 17 and they're still not in the factory yet. Mm -hmm. There's 30 chapters in the book. <laughs> 17 of them are spent outside the factory. Each more horrifying than the last. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in all the movies, there's a huge chunk before they even go in. Yeah. And what was interesting about that is that my engagement with the two segments was kind of flipped between the two films. I was kind of whatever in the 70s one at the beginning and then got really engaged when Willy Wonka appeared and in the 2005 one, I thought it was quite charming with the family. That was quite pleasant, it was quite funny. One of the grandparents loves grapes and says, I love grapes, and I just thought that was very charming. And then as soon as I got into the factory, I was horrified, terrified, petrified, and angrified. <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree. The for the 70s one, the bit before they get into the factory really drags. And I think that's because so much of the life in the movie comes from Gene Wilder's mm -hmm. performance. So the bit that he's not in, you're just kind of waiting for him to show up. <laughs> and yeah. whereas with the 2005 version, as soon as Johnny Depp shows up, you want him to leave. Yes. 
No, I felt violated because I was quite enjoying the film up on, up until that particular point. So yeah, I think that's a good way to break it down. Yeah, <laughs> before and after. Um, so impressions of the before part of the seventies version. Well, it's kind of slow and ambling. I remember as a kid being like everyone else in the world and hating Grandpa Joe. If you remember, the four grandparents of Charlie are kind of confined to bed. They're old, they're tired, they don't move. And there's this poor beleaguered mother because in the 1970s one, the father is dead. The mother is working in a laundrette and really struggling to make ends meet. And yeah, these grandparents can't do anything because they seem to be bedbound until Charlie comes in with the ticket and Grandpa Joe springs up and sings, I've got a golden ticket. Which first of all, Grandpa Joe, it's not your ticket. You didn't, you're going with Charlie. It's not your golden ticket. But there's a lot more um, dialogue in that one to suggest that he could have just gotten up. And it just seems more like a slap in the face to the mum. Yeah, that he hadn't before now. When she's, yeah, she's working so hard and like none of them have any food. Yeah. And in the book, they make a point to be like, Charlie was so hungry that he was conserving his energy on his walks to school because he thought he was going to pass out. Like, it's quite bleak. Mm-hmm. And Grandpa Joe is just doing nothing until the golden ticket pops up. So I remember that I really hated Grandpa Joe. But I didn't so much in the 2005 one. The grandparents were all quite charming. They did seem like tired, bed-bound, elderly folk. And when Grandpa Joe did develop the ability to spring back to life, I just wasn't as angry. Probably because he wasn't gloating and doing a song. Mm-hmm. And probably because it wasn't all down to the mum. There's also the dad who works in the toothpaste factory. When Charlie's got his job. Does he have a job in the, the 2005 version? Yeah. The shoe shiner. shiner. Yeah, yeah. In the, um, in the 70s one, he's a paperboy. Yeah, wh- what about you? Any character differences in the first section? I think Charlie's a bit different. Like, Charlie's in the 2005 version is a little bit more like, I must bear my suffering with grace. And Charlie in the the 70s version is a little more emotive. Like, he really wants that golden ticket and he thinks he's going to get it. And, like, the the 2005 one seems a bit more resigned. Poor Freddie Highmore. Poor Freddie Highmore. (laughs) In a bent little house with all the holes in the roof and the cracked ceiling. That, That house in the 2005 one is ridiculous. <laughs> it looks like a bomb's gone off. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I know Tim Burton made this movie, but you didn't have to be so Tim Burton about it, you know? Yeah. It look the house looks like it's melting. The door is sideways. So the first one doesn't really talk much about why the family is suffering the poverty that they are. We assume it's because single parent household with four adults to look after and one child Mm -hmm. and that's why um but we've given kind of something of an explanation in the second one there is some factory discourse and the importance of unions was really expressed in the in the second one dear lord and i liked this about the second one to a point that they they made um, Grandpa Joe used to work for Willy Wonka, and then when he closed his factory and dismissed all his workers, Grandpa Joe lost his job without any warning. And yeah. Willy Wonka closed his factory because he was worried about spies. 
and they sort of imply this is when the family started to fall on hard times, but then it leaves, uh, I think a couple of things are a problem with that. One, it implies that then Grandpa Joe has been inside the factory before, so why is he surprised by anything he sees in there for the rest of the movie? Oh, I think, though, that's because he, in the meantime, Willy Wonka has been going crazy. He's been getting weird. He's been getting weird. The Oompa Loompas are there doing slave labour. More on that later. Yeah, that'll come up again. That's why, you know, he doesn't need workers anymore. Yeah, because he only Oompa Loompas work in the factory. I mean, really, this whole town is probably suffering the... the this is a huge factory. You have to assume that for a while this town was, like orbiting the factory mm-hmm. and I think some people are still employed like the chocolate is still being delivered to people and there's a little Willy Wonka shop but you know the, the majority of people are out on their luck mm-hmm. so that's that's quite sad I, th- I think part of the problem with the like ec- economic angle they take at the beginning is they go nowhere with it like it never really comes up again mm. like Willy Wonka just summarily fired Grandpa Joe. He lost his job. It screwed up the whole family and we never talk about it again. Nope. But it's clearly had a psychological effect on Grandpa Joe. This is the only way I can feel sympathy for Grandpa Joe is if he's just been... Made to think that he's bedridden. Exactly. By the mother. (laughs) This was your take for the 70s one. I don't think that quite makes sense for the 2000s. No, I don't think think the 2005 one has Munchausen's by proxy. I don't think the 2005 Grandpa Joe is unlikable in the way that the 70s one is. Yeah, the 70s one I find quite unlikable. It's the song that does it. It's the song. It's so gloaty. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The mum is just sitting there watching him do this dance. Yeah, the mum is... Pulling this family together. She mm-hmm. takes a lot of work to keep this family together, she says. It's a line from the movie. And I think that's that's fair. Like, Grandpa Joe is straight up a villain in the first one. Yes. In the second one, he looks like Jeremy Corbyn. <laughs> and you'd think he'd be more angry about being fired without compensation from the factory. And then he willingly goes to the factory again. And just tells Mr. Wonka, oh, I used to work here. And Wonka's like, well, welcome back, I guess. And they never bring it up again. <laughs> um, so in the uh, 1970s one, every time the, uh, a, the, a child wins a ticket, uh, there's a little kind of press junket scene where they explain how they got the ticket, show, showcases their character a little bit. Um, and then this shady guy appears and whispers something into their ear. And then when Charlie gets a ticket, he reveals himself to be Slugworth. Mm-hmm. Not Slughorn. Not Slughorn. Slugworth. Slugworth. He is... He's inviting them to the Slug Club. <laughs> yes, and he's kind of framed as this guy who wanted to steal the secret formula to Willy Wonka's Krabby Patties. <laughs> Everlasting Gobstoppers. Yes. So he basically is saying to all the children, "Bring me an everlasting gobstopper." Yeah, and I'll and I'll give you money, uh, which Charlie's tempted by at first a little bit. Well, he's tempted in general by money because his family is like on death's door. Yeah. Um. So that's there, and then is later revealed to be a, a plant. We'll talk about that a bit later. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of strange. He's just kind of there. It sets this really strange vibe. Um, and also, 
in the first, in the 1970s one, um, a lot of the montages of the children getting the tickets is interspersed with like really strange scenes where, so someone's seeing his psychotherapist and he's having dreams about an angel telling him where the golden ticket is. Yeah, and then it'll cut immediately from that to more Charlie scenes. And there's another one where a woman's husband is being held ransom and she's, you know, working with the private investigator and the person who's keeping the husband hostage says, we'll give him back, but we need your case of Willy Wonka bars. And she's like, I need to, I need more time to think about it. These are precious because at this stage, people are getting desperate and chocolate bars are running out. And it's really, it's really weird and we don't revisit it again. I quite like it. It adds a sort of frenetic energy to the piece. Yeah, I think, like, those little scenes were always odd, because we always started them going, what, what are we watching? And it would take, like, a couple seconds into the scene to realize what they were trying to do. Yeah. Like, every time. Yeah. But I quite like that. Um, And I think it was a good way to break up the otherwise kind of, like, boring scenes of, oh, this child's one, this child's one. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Let's talk about the children. I got really confused with Veruca Salt. So if you can't remember, Veruca is the little posh girl who wants everything. She's like, Daddy, I want a squirrel. Daddy, I want the goose. I want it now. Papa, papa. She doesn't say that. She doesn't sound like a parrot. Um, But in the 1970s one, they've done a really interesting thing where her family, they own a small factory which uh, a nut factory, a nut processing plant. And um, she has her dad ordering the women working at the factory to sort through the nuts. No, chocolate, chocolate bars. bars. They, they've, they've taken a break on the nuts. To sort through the chocolate bars and try and find the ticket. And um, she's yelling at her dad. Her dad and her mum have broad Yorkshire accents. She sounds like minor aristocracy. <laughs> I don't know how they shipped her off to some private school. I mean, they're also, like, everyone here is despicable. It's like a despicable posh family. But they all sound so different. Mm-hmm. In 2005, they're all aristocrat- aristocrats. They're not aristocrats, sadly. <laughs> It'd be a very different movie. <laughs> Who would win against the squirrels then if she was an aristocrat? <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was an interesting choice. It was interesting that the, the parents were pretty visibly not posh like they weren't dressed particularly fancy even though she was like she yeah. was all in furs and that and her dad just was wearing a suit although owning a factory is quite posh yeah they just but they're not coded as like being super fancy yeah exactly yeah. but we know they are yeah mike tv in the 2005 version is a gamer Um, and he's not a gamer in the 70s version, obviously, because that was not a thing that you could be. There were no no games in the 70s. Yeah. Everything I read about the 70s just suggested it's a horrible and bleak time. With no games. There was no no entertainment. But there was TV, and that was bad. Yeah. TV rots your brain. Yeah. Um, a message they kept in both versions. Yeah. Which is very weird. It sounds super dated in the 2005 version. But it, I think they have a point, because I think my brain is completely rotted now. 
Yeah, after watching that one. Yeah. We started off on, like, a really high note, I think, with the the 70s one. Yes. And then slowly descended. Well, there were peaks. I think my peaks were the factory part of the 70s one and the family opening part of the 2005 one. Yeah. Um, and then things crumbled down. Into a horrible mess. Should we talk about Willy Wonka? I want to talk about Augustus Gloop. <laughs> okay, let's talk about Augustus. Augustus Ooh. is a chubby little child who likes to eat chocolate. I don't think he's a bad kid. He he just eats in a messy way. And he's immediately framed from the beginning in both films as being vile and foul and you know, having some kind of moral failing. Mm-hmm. He just really likes the chalk. Yeah, he's, especially in the 2005 version, he seems quite nice even. Mm-hmm. In both versions, because Augustus Gloops falls into the chocolate river in the very first room they go into. In neither version does Willy Wonka tell them not to touch the chocolate river. He, like, lets them loose in the room, and he's like, everything in here is edible, Go for it. And then Augustus goes right for the chocolate river because it's the best looking thing. Yeah. It is. And and then falls in. And it's like, well, you shouldn't have touched the chocolate river. Well, you just said everything in this room was edible. What did you expect? Uh, Yeah. And then, listen, I have one thing to say before we move on, and that's justice for Augustus. Yeah. And I proudly wear it on the t-shirt. Yeah, I agree. So, I think we've covered the beginning bits. Not much happens, but there are varying levels of charm, with the first one being kind of boring and a bit, like, spotty in parts, um, with the cutaway scenes, and the 2005 one being really quite charming. Mm Mm-hmm. With, like, a nice family who I'd want to hang out with. Yeah. Yeah. But then things kind of take a heel turn. Yeah. So I think, yeah, you you were suggesting talking about Willy Wonka. I think the character itself is the biggest difference between the two movies. Yeah. And it's what went right with the 70s and what went wrong with the 2005 one. Yes. So I've watched the 70s one many times as a kid. It's just kind of on, like, at Christmas time. Yeah. And so I have the Gene Wilder character in, in my mind is like a kind of cultural memory. Mm-hmm. I, had, I had seen the Johnny Depp one one time, mm-hmm. and Johnny Depp kind of terrified me in that. So I kind of had this just mental image in my head of Willy Wonka as a very charismatic, morally dubious, very witty figure, who I was describing to Shannon the other day, is, in my opinion, a bit like Pennywise from It!, but more organized. And I said he was kind of like Jigsaw from the Saw movies, but bearing in mind I've seen zero of the Saw movies. I don't know if Jigsaw has charisma. (laughs) (laughs) He has traps, though, doesn't... Is that not a thing? He's got traps. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. He doesn't sing a song about the horrible traps he sets for people, though. Oh, that's a very different movie than I was led to believe. (laughs) The only... Um, saw trap that I can distinctly remember is one where someone had to find a hay in a needle stack, like a thing of straw in a stack of like dirty syringes, which is my worst nightmare from hell and it makes me want to die. That's horrific. 
is why I haven't seen any of the Saw movies. Um, and you, you, you willingly watch two Charlie and the Chocolate Factory movies. Listen, this is, this is a, a dark confession for me, but as a child, I was about 10 when the, I was exactly 10 when the 2005 version came out. And I was very, I remember being very taken with it at the time and watched it several times in my youth, but hadn't seen it since then. Yeah. So I have... But I'd seen the Gene Wilder one a ton of times as well. So I have this, like, parallel cultural memory of Willy Wonka as a character. Yeah. But he's... The 2005 one is so much more horrifying to watch as an adult. Yeah. Like, he's... Un, I remember being unsettled by him as a kid, but kind of ignoring him because I liked the sort of shiny aesthetics of the of that movie. Yeah. But he, you can't ignore him when you watch it as an adult. He's creepy as hell. He looks strange. He moves in a strange way. He says just, like, hammy pop culture lines all the time. And I really remember at the time people were drawing comparisons between him and Michael Jackson. So it must have been a choice for them to make him look like him. It must have been. Which is not a great idea. No. Considering that he's inviting children into his factory. Yep. Um, he also seems to have a contempt for all the children. Uh, he, he doesn't care to properly meet them. He's always chiding them, that kind of thing. With Gene Wilder, sure, when they're getting into near-death situations, he doesn't really care. But he engages with them and the parents up until that point. And it makes more sense, plot-wise, for him to be engaging with the children if his ultimate plan is to have one of them become the head of the factory. Right. This is why he's invited them in. So why does the 2005 version not want to even learn their names? <laughs> That's very silly. You're going to give your factory to one of these kids. Yeah. Which is the worst thing, in your opinion, that happens to a kid? What's the worst thing uh, in, in both movies, I suppose? That, like... Like, the end result, or, like, the trauma of it happening? I mean, I guess, either. Because, like, Veruca Salt being attacked by those squirrels in the 2005 one was terrifying to watch. Yeah. But I think, I think Mike TV being put in a taffy puller at the end is really, really (laughs) just unsettling on a lot of levels. Because you see him leaving the factory, he looks like Slenderman. (laughs) (laughs) He's never going to recover from that. It's no, horrible. It's really bad. Like, he comes off the worst of them in yeah. the 2005 one, for sure. I I think in the 2005 one, the worst one to watch is Violet getting turned into a blueberry. Mm. Because the Oompa Loompas do this song while she's, you know, being rolled around, moved to the juicing room. And they're bouncing on her. They're pushing her around. There's a lot of touch. She's a blueberry, but she's still a child. And she's screaming through the whole thing. Every time it zooms in on her, you can hear her screaming. Meanwhile, what are the Oompa Loompas saying? Oh, you shouldn't chew gum. It's weird to chew gum. Your personal failing is chewing gum. And it's like, that is not... Chewing gum is not the eighth deadly sin. (laughs) Violet is annoying. She's She's annoying. And she is vain. But... Sing about that. Don't sing about her chewing gum. Yeah, well, this is, like, between her and Augustus, two of the five children's sin is liking candy in this chocolate factory. <laughs> yeah, 
Like, how dare you? <laughs> Who did you think you would get when you put out this content? Don't like this candy too much. It's like if you got invited to the Nintendo factory and they're like, oh, you really like Nintendogs? <laughs> okay. All right. We're going to sing a song about that. Yeah, we're going to sing a song about it and also upload you to the cloud. <laughs> Where you can be ripped apart by your own Nintendogs turned feral. <laughs> I am never going to go to the Nintendo factory. No. There's too many terrifying things. They'll shame you for the Nintendogs. It's like, if if you're Augustus Bloop in that situation, you just get stuck in a Mario pipe. <laughs> jumped on by plumbers and mushrooms and, and whatever. I don't, Horrifying. I don't know enough about Nintendo to engage with this joke. I know Mario <laughs> and I know Nintendo. In my head I'm like, Zelda, is that Nintendo? I don't know. I mean, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> You're the Charlie here. You're just going in because you played the game one time, but... Yeah. But can, I, I can't yeah. afford video games. Yes. And sometimes play them in the shop window. You've only gone as far as yo-yo. That's really kind yeah. of your speed. So you're just lucky to be there. Yeah. But but I'm, I'm going to win the whole factory. <laughs> I'm the new CEO of Nintendo. Good luck. Uh, and I'm just the Violet Beauregard of Nintendo. <laughs> um, but yeah, Violet's outcome is that she, in the 2005 one, just... She gets squeezed, she becomes human-sized again, but she's blue, her skin and hair is blue, and she's super-duper flexible, and she's kind of just bendy because she's been juiced so much. And she's quite happy about that. Her mum's a bit like, ugh, Violet, you're so blue. But I think you said it, and I was thinking it. This is an absolute win. Yeah. I think that we, sh- you know, we dunk too hard on body modifications. Mm-hmm. And if, if I could be blue and super-flexible... I think I could make a life out of that. It really works for Mystique and the X-Men. So, like, why not? Yeah. You could be some kind of... Well, they probably wouldn't let you be a gymnast because you'd have an advantage because you're bendy. But you, you could join Cirque du Soleil. I don't know. Violet has a bright future ahead of her. She does. And she's got a can-do attitude. Yeah. You go, Violet. Mike TV's gonna have some problems. Poor Mike TV. <laughs> you know, if I were Mike TV and I were in the taffy room and they gave me a choice, and that's you can either stay normal proportioned but tiny sized, or we can stretch you out like Slenderman, I'm gonna <laughs> stay small. Yeah. Again, you can make that work. Yeah, he could be Stuart Little, he could be the star of his own documentary. You'd need you'd less have less food that you'd have to. It'd be really um, financially efficient mm-hmm. because Mike TV seems to be the sort of kid who'd end up some kind of coder or like game designer. Yeah, he doesn't need to be big for that. No, um, he'd only need a small amount of material to make his clothes. He could eat a little breadcrumb every day, and that would nourish him. <laughs> he had he could drive a little car like Stuart Little. Yeah. Mike TV should have stayed small. He should have stayed small. But no, they were like, we'll make him tall again. We we'll don't just... know what happens to them at the end of the 1970s one. No, we don't. Could be dead. They could be dead. In the book, it's pretty similar um, to what happens in the 2005 version. 
Like Mike is really skinny, and they say he's something like ten feet tall. Oh my god! <laughs> it's really creepy. <laughs> In the musical, they kind of die. <laughs> what well, all of them? I know for a fact that the Veruca Salt character who's a bit different in the musical. She's a Russian a Russian ballerina. She gets ripped apart by squirrels. They tear her limb from limb. If you YouTube it, you can see it. Violet explodes. There's a joke about Augustus Gloop getting bones in the fudge machine. I'm not sure about Mike TV. No, Mike TV, I know what happens to him. His mum just takes him in her handbag and is like, oh, he's small, I'll keep him small. Wow. Okay, Mike comes off best in that one, then. He's, yeah, he comes off alive. He's the only one who's not dead. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think the only one of the children who, like, embodies a real actual sin is Veruca. Because she's... Although I guess they're going for the angle that Augustus Gloop is greedy. Uh, Mike TV says a naughty word in the 2005 one, so I had it against him there. Yeah, I did too. Mike is very obnoxious in the 2005 version. Yeah. And one of the first things out of his mouth is a a not good ableist slur. Yeah. (laughs) And it, it really just puts you right off from the start. Hey, you know how usually as time progresses, um, society improves? Not the case for these two movies. The second movie, the, the 2005 one, has so many iffy moments. It does so many more than the 1971 version. And some stuff that they... I don't know why they did this. They, like, read the book and thought, you know all this, like, really dicey racist stuff? We'll just put it back in, even though it wasn't in the earlier version of this movie. Yeah. That's a great idea. Why? This is referring to the Oompa Loompas, which we won't get into into too much depth, but you can kind of imagine. Uh, um, and also think through the implications of Willy Wonka having a factory without any workers. Yeah, who get paid in cocoa beans. Yeah. It's, it's worse than you're thinking right now. Yeah. It's bad. Yeah, it's so bad. It's just explicitly terrible. Yeah, it's implicitly terrible in the 70s version. Like, yes. in the 70s, when you think about it, you're like, hang on. Yeah. What are they doing there? But he doesn't spell it out for you, which he definitely does. Like, in the in the 2005 one, Johnny Depp straight up says, oh, yeah, I w- I've been testing this chewing gum on 20 Oompa Loompas, and they've all turned into blueberries. Like, okay, running experiments on them. Yeah. That's not good. No, it's really not good. Oh, but Oompa Loompas... All of them in the 2005 version are played by the same person, and he's an old friend of the show. Deep uh, Roy. Deep Roy, who is in the never-ending story as the man who owned the racing snail, who was, <laughs> if you remember, my favorite character in the never-ending story. <laughs> and now he's betrayed you by playing all the Oompa <laughs> in the factory. betrayed me by playing every Oompa in a horrifying way. How God. Could... I trusted you. Here's my thing about the 2005 factory. It seems to me as though Willy Wonka is invested in developing robot puppets. Why not automate the factory with robot puppets? I know you're going to dislike this because it's puppets. It is puppets. Well, why does it have to be puppets? Can't you just automate it with robots? Yeah, but then who's going to sing the songs? (laughs) 
It needs to Just be like if they have puppets, it can be like in um in Shrek when they go to Julag. Oh, okay. go to Julag, it's a perfect town. <laughs> That's what they were doing in this movie, but bad. But bad. Um, There's more puppets. These are the worst puppets that we've seen yet in Cursed Old And it's a high bar. I think as soon as the puppets showed up, I started just saying, cursed, cursed. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, we're an anti-puppet podcast. (laughs) This podcast can... I think our alternate title should be Puppets are bad. <laughs> we, this, this, we've taken this so much to heart that we've written an actual rule on our notice board in our kitchen. What does it say, Shannon? It says, if you're not Jim Henson, don't make a puppet. <laughs> <laughs> I do have an admission. Yeah. One of my favourite toys as a kid was this puppet fox that I called Foxy, that was dilapidated slightly, like bits of it were falling off like its nose. So I'd stick things back on with glitter glue. And I would try and like terrorize my infant brother, like by crawling around his room with the fox and like waking him up. And then I would wait till my mum had like settled James down to sleep. And then I'd come in with my puppet oh, and rile him. You're the villain in this story. But, yeah, I think puppets could be used for good. They could be. For example, working as robots in a factory instead of having Oompa which are from somewhere and were living lives beforehand. Well, what's super strange, too, is that in the opening of both of these movies, the opening credits play over chocolate being made. In the 2005 version, it's an automated chocolate system. It's got, like, very sophisticated robots making the chocolate in the opening credits and then, like, sending it out to the world. But the factory doesn't seem to operate that way throughout the rest of the movie. No. No, We're gonna just keep all the Oompa here. It's bad. Yeah. Well, it's like any factory tour you go on. You go to a brewery and they're like, oh, look at all these... Little dancing characters. But you know they're just... They just have a machine around the back. They're just making beer out of the machine. And not a bunch of singing puppets? What kind of brewery tours have you been on? It's like every time you go to a factory, they make it seem magical, but it's actually... You know, it's all automated. Have you been to a factory, Shannon? I've been... It's all a facade. I've been to a beer-making factory. And they didn't do a song and dance? No one did a song and dance. I feel like I didn't, didn't get my money. They didn't take you into a, into a hall where everything was made of beer and you could eat everything you saw. Even the grass. Oh yes, even the grass is made of beer. <laughs> You've never been into... This is why you were so shocked and taken by this movie. This is why. Um, are you suggesting that everything that happens in this plot is a publicity stunt by the Wonka factory to cover up rumours of labor abuses in his factory? Um, partly yes, and also because I, I think the 2005 movie seems to suggest that the real villain is automation. That is true. Yeah, the, the 2005 one is very against automation. Um, the dad gets fired from his job at the toothpaste factory, where his job is to put the toothpaste caps on the tube, um, and then... That job gets automated. And in the end, he gets a job fixing the machine. It's very temporary. So they'll get a machine to fix the machine. Yeah. And a machine to build the machines that fix the machines. And then we're in the Matrix. and We're all going to be 
And only Keanu Reeves It's only a matter of time, Shannon. Mm-hmm. We're lucky to be working. Yeah. Um, so I found the character's skin to be a bit strange in 2005. I agree. I didn't notice it until you pointed it out. I'm talking specifically Willy Wonka, Augustus Gloop, and Violet Beauregard have really translucent, kind of smooth, cold-looking skin. Like they're corpses. Mm, a little bit, Very well-preserved. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if... Like, with Willy Wonka, obviously he just looks creepy, because that seems to have been the intention. But with the kids, I just wonder if they went overboard with the makeup or what? But mm. they do look very smooth. It's weird. It's kind of uncanny. They look a little bit like they've been animated. Yeah. Which is a strange effect for them to try. Yeah. Because it is only those two. The other kids don't look like that. No. Yeah, Mike TV looks kind of normal. Charlie looks normal. All the adults, except for Willy Wonka, look normal. So I think it might be worth talking about some of the plot modifications, because both movies do slightly different things. So if you remember when we were talking about the opening to the 1970s one, there's this guy who is pretending to be um, an anti-Wonka spy, and he's convinced the kids to go and collect these everlasting gobstoppers for him, and he'll give them money. And then in the end, he's revealed to be a plant by Willy Wonka, so Willy Wonka only knows that Charlie is the true heir to the factory when Charlie returns the gobstopper and proves that he's true of heart and that he doesn't want to uh, sell on the gobstopper. Mm. And I think that really worked for me. I was like, hey, I got got. You got me. Yeah, I think that worked too. I remembered about halfway through the movie that that was the case, but as a kid, that like blew my mind. <laughs> as a 25-year-old, that blew my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I think it I think it works for the plot. It's definitely put in there to give it a little more tension near the end. Yeah. Cuz the I remember well, I remember this afternoon listening it's to such the book. a long time ago. It's three versions of the same story ago, so it feels like ages. <laughs> but listening to the end parts, I remember thinking that like it is just kind of a straight shot to the ending. There's no tension, there's no thing that goes wrong at the last minute. There's no suggestion that Charlie will lose it all. It's just like Mike gets shrunk and then Charlie's the only one left and Willy Wonka's like, oh, you won, you have the factory now. And then the book is over. Yeah. So both movies try to throw a wrench into it. The 1970s does it, I think, quite elegantly. Yeah, because Willy Wonka gets angry at Charlie at first because he stole some fizzy lifting drink. Um, and there's a charming scene where Charlie and his granddad nearly get chopped up by a turbine. Yeah. Uh, but that's by the by. Um, but then, again, he returns a gobstopper, Slugworth is revealed to be a plant, and he wins a factory, the end. Uh, but they take some liberties in the 2005 one to make, to try and make me give a damn about Johnny Depp. I'm never gonna give a damn. Yeah, that was a lost cause from the beginning. I don't know what they were thinking with that plot. So the the plot they add to the 20, 2005 version is like backstory for Willy Wonka, which nobody asked for, of Willy Wonka as a child and his father's a dentist and he won't let him have candy so then he runs away from home and they're estranged and now he has father issues. Mm-hmm. And then at the end when, Char- when he's like, Charlie, you're gonna work in my factory and come live here with me. And Charlie's like, sweet, can my family come? And Willy Wonka's like, 
no, which, by the way, comes off as very creepy. Yeah, yeah. No, you're coming with me. We'll work together. And then he sort of wiggles his fingers and his gloves. Yeah, without any other adult supervision. It's weird. Yeah. Whereas in, in the previous movie and in the book, he says, like, right out of the gate, you and your family will come live in the factory while you learn how to run it. Yeah. Yeah, so he tells Charlie, no, your parents can't come, and Charlie says, well, then, fuck off. (laughs) And Wonka goes away, has an existential crisis, comes back, they go to see his father, and they make up, and then Charlie's family's allowed to come to the factory. And all of that, almost all of it, happens after the bit where the story is over. Like, the book and the previous movie end with Willy Wonka being like, the factory's yours, you and your family can come live with me. Yeah, Charlie has nothing left to learn. Well, Charlie doesn't actually learn anything. Yeah. He's already good. He's a good boy. Charlie was already good from the beginning. Yeah, it's just, it's shoehorned, it's manipulative, and it just tries to make us care about this despicable character. Because the thing is, Gene Wilder's Wonka is not a good man. He is quite bad. Yeah. He lets children... Um, for example, Mike TV is going to vaporise himself and appear on TV. And Wonka knows it's going to happen. And he's like, oh, Mike, don't do it. And he's like very sarcastic. He doesn't care. And he's very funny with it. And he's still doing evil things. And he's kind of letting them slide. The Johnny Depp character... It seems to be an accident every time, and yet he seems more evil. He does, because it it kind of flip-flops back and forth between him seeming like he's not doing this on purpose, and then having these weird looks where he'll, like, stare at the machine that's about to suck up Augustus Gloop, or, like, he'll... When he, um, Veruca Salt's father is trying to get to her, and he keeps getting the key to the door wrong, and then gets it right at the last minute and has this very creepy look on his face... So, like, is he scheming this all, or is he not? And I think the flip-flopping makes it more weird and unsettling. Yeah. And not in a good way. Yes, no, exactly. I agree. I feel more more comfortable with Gene Wilder. And he is fully, fairly happy to let these children be mutilated. Yeah. To be fully honest. Like, um, Violet is turning into a blueberry, and he's just kind of, like, mumbling to himself, like, oh, every time it's, every time we get to the blueberry, they turn into a blueberry, I'm gonna have to tinker with the recipe. It's like, you piece of shit. (laughs) You're a charming piece of shit. And when Augustus falls into the river, and he just says, stop, no, police. (laughs) So good. It's despicable, but it's excellent. Yeah, yes. Well, I did actually want to call the police on Johnny Depp. I did too, yeah. I was like, don't, don't go into his factory. <laughs> Stay outside. Yeah, and what's weird about that, too, is that the parents in the 70s one are so much less chill with being in the factory than the parents in the 2005 version. Oh, they're freaked out from the get-go. Yeah, the 70s ones want out right away. And they're right. Yeah. I mean, the parents are kind of caricatures as well. Like, they're children, but less so. And they're super right the whole time. Um, in the in the 70s one, they all have to sign, like, a, a liability contract before going in. And I think it's Veruca's father and Violet's father who are both like, um, th- 
no, don't sign that. We should probably have a lawyer look at that. And then Waka fully pressures them into t- signing the contract. Mm-hmm. And then gets the kids to sign the contract. Yeah. The contract features neither in the book nor in the 2005 version. But, like, at the point of the contract in the 70s one, the parents get freaked. And mm-hmm. they stay freaked. Except for Grandpa Joe, who doesn't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> The, one of the most obnoxious things about the 2005 version is how um, that version of Willy Wonka can't say the word parents because oh. he has hashtag yeah. issues about it. And he does this horrible thing where he like bulges his face up as if he's about to be sick. He's like, parent, I hate it. Yeah, it's awful. And sometimes people make sick noises when they're, you know, like, I hate that. That's, you know, sometimes annoying. Like, I was in bento sushi and the person who was behind the till was making sick noises Mm. while telling the story. And it's like, nah, not what I'm eating my sushi. Yeah. No way. But, like, physically manipulating your face as if you're about to be sick with that weird skin. Yeah. That's not good. It was not a good look. Something made me annoyed disproportionately in this movie and that is the prize that is offered to the children on the ticket so they're told that if they win they win a lifetime supply of chocolate so I've always imagined that to be you get some kind of either like regular delivery throughout your whole life or that whenever you go to a, a, a chocolate shop you just have some sort of card that you tap and they're like ah yes free chocolate which obviously wouldn't work in the 70s, but nowadays would. No, in the 2005 one, they make it clear that um, there would be many trucks of chocolate delivered immediately to the child's house. In one go? Yeah. Are you kidding me? It's, it's like you will be a escorted supply by a fleet of large trucks full of chocolate, like. I mean, is yeah, it... Do you need to buy storage for that? Yeah. What do they mean? Is it one chocolate bar every day? Is it one a week? Is it like this? If it one, one, like the one I bought earlier, I don't think I'd want one of those a day. Maybe a week. Yeah. But I'd get bored of them pretty quick. I'd yeah. want some variety. And if the, if the company is still going throughout my life, then they're going to be innovating all the time. What if I want the gum that tastes of three meals? Mm-hmm. When it's been, all the kinks have been ironed out. When it doesn't turn you into a blueberry. Do not want that. Yeah. Found that very terrifying as a kid and still do today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is a little bit strange. I mean, is it is it meant to be sort of a nod to the fact that Willy Wonka never intended to make good on this bargain? Maybe. If you're working as the heir to the factory anyway, that sort of implies a lifetime supply of chocolate. Yeah. Because it's just kind of lying around. Yeah. That may not have, not have been your life plan. Would I go... What if you wanted to be a doctor? Yeah. What if you were going to make it big on the snowboarding circuit, and now you own this factory? Charlie is, like, lumped in with this now. All the other... Mike TV is going to end up be designing video games in his freakish, slender state. Yep. Violet's going to be some contortionist mm-hmm. winning prizes and loving it. Yeah, Veruca will do well. She's posh, social, get into a good university despite her probable lack of merit and then run her father's nut-sorting factory. <laughs> She's not learnt any lessons. She'll just continue on in her path. Mm-hmm. Augustus Gloop. I don't know. He seems like a nice boy. He'll keep trucking. Yeah. Yeah, they... and Charlie's stuck. 
stuck with this factory and with like a lawsuit from at least one of those parents. <laughs> yeah, he has to deal with that now. He's got to deal with the fallout and like the what if they go out and they talk and now suddenly Charlie is in charge of the factory and there's massive investigations about labor in Wonka's factory, which haven't been done up to this point, even though the factory's running and nobody works there. Yeah. But we've had a bunch of people who were let in. Yeah, they can just spill the beans. Like, they're children, and they might not know that it's bad, although they, you'd think they would. But their parents should be on it. Yeah. And a lot of the parents seem like good, decent people. I think Mike TV's mum... Mm-hmm. In 1970s version, mm-hmm. would be on the case. Yeah. And also Mike TV's dad in the 2005 version. Mm-hmm. Augustus's mom seems like a very decent person. Yeah. At a push, Baruka's dad might. Yeah. And to be honest, all the parents are like a bit annoying but okay. Yeah, they're not like monsters. I think Baruka's dad might be the worst one because he did order his whole factory to. To halt, and be- to halt their workflow. Yeah. To open the chocolate. That's kind of a dick move. Yeah. And then he, it's it's presented as even more of a dick move in the 2005 version. Because, like, the woman finds the ticket and tries to hide it and take it for herself. Which, like, fair. Um, and he shows up and, like, grabs her wrist and snatches it from her. Yeah. Only women work in this factory. In all versions of it. <laughs> Only male Oompa-Loompas, though, work in the chocolate factory. Yeah. So what's going on? Did he only take male Oompa-Loompas? I doesn't bear thinking about it, really, actually. Just, I just get upset every time I think about the Oompa-Loompas. Let's, let's, let's wrap up. So there's... <laughs> um, usually, at this point in the podcast, I will ask who your favourite character is. So I'm going to do that for both movies. For me, it's Willy Wonka in the 1970s version, and Grandpa Joe in 2005. Okay, for me, it's definitely Willy Wonka in the 70s version. Yeah. He makes that whole movie. Um, I think it's Grandpa George in the 2005. He's the grandpa Mm. who doesn't go to the factory, and he just always has a snarky comment, but he's very on point. Like, when the parents are all like, Charlie, you have as much chance as anyone to get a golden ticket, and he's just like, the kid who's gonna get the golden tickets is gonna be a spoiled little rich kid, and then it is. Yeah. Like, Grandpa George is on it. Yeah. But he's also nice with it. He's nice with it, and he's also the one who, when when Charlie wants to sell the golden ticket so that the family can have more money, he tells Charlie, like, there's tons of money in the world, why would you get rid of something there's only five of for something as common yeah. as money. And I think that was quite a nice line. Yeah, and he calls Willy Wonka a jerk at the end. <laughs> Which he is. Which he is. And that was satisfying. I think he was my favorite in the 2005 one. Um, the villain in both pieces, I think, is just Willy Wonka. Yeah. But I really do not care that it's Willy Wonka in the 1970s version. 
I'm not behind him, but I'm rooting for him. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Uh, the 70s one, he's just so fun to watch. He's yeah. so charismatic. He's so charming. And he's so evil, but it doesn't matter. And he's really funny, too. Like, at one point, he's showing them various uh, bits and bobs in the invention room. There's a big kind of cauldron full of uh, liquid. And he adds some trainers and says, oh, I'm just putting a bit of kick into this. <laughs> Great, hilarious. The best lines in the 2005 one did not come from Willy Wonka, and they should have done. Yeah. The best one came from Veruca. (laughs) (laughs) When Violet blew up like a blueberry, and her mother says, how is she going to compete now? And Veruca says, you could take her to a county fair. (laughs) I screamed, it was so, so it was funny. Very well done, Veruca, darling. <laughs> that was very funny. Yeah. Um, and Grandma Josephine, when yeah. she, I like grapes. Don't we all? And when the glass elevator crashes through the ceiling and she says, I think there's someone at the door. <laughs> she Her lines are great. Willy Wonka does not have a single good line no. in the 2005 one. Truly. Whereas he has all of them in the 70s one. In the 2005 one, I just want him to stop forever and die. Yeah. <laughs> I would I think it was the Chocolate River, like, it was that early in the movie when you said, like, can someone push him into the Chocolate River? <laughs> and it's true. Like, and the... Like, the reason the 70s one retitled the story to Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory is that he really is the central character, and if you can't get him right, it doesn't work as a story. No. I mean, the, the 2005 one was so devoid of charm, and obviously you shouldn't try to rehash what Gene Wilder was doing. I don't think another actor could do precisely that, but... What the hell were they thinking? <laughs> Don't do that. Yeah. No, it's like they didn't consult one single person when designing the character. Yeah. So, the 1970s movie, was it cursed or blessed? It definitely wasn't cursed. I think it was blurred. I think it was blessed. That's a, I think it's fairly solid. It, it would be blessed were it not for... Just the things inherent in the story that are a bit iffy, like the umphalumphas. Yeah, I think that I said this before. Everything Roald Dahl touches is at least a little bit cursed. Yeah, and all of those things just make it impossible for it to be blessed. It's just weird, sort of unsettling elements to the storytelling. But... Yes, and yeah, with with the story, either you change it loads or you just don't do it. But they did redo it in 2005, so 2005, cursed or blessed, I feel like I don't even need to ask this question. It's cursed. It's so cursed. It's super cursed. When I was watching the puppet, the wax puppet from the beginning melt in its eye fall out, and I said, this is a cursed movie. Well, there's puppets. What else is it going to be? I mean, it was awful. And I feel weird having enjoyed it as a kid, though about two-thirds of the way through I stopped remembering scenes, so I kind of wonder, I used to watch stuff in the background a lot, I kind of wonder if I tended to run out of steam a bit of the way through the movie and just turn it off. Because I I think the beginning is quite charming, 
And then it gets very weird. Which is weird, because it should get more high octane as more children die. Yeah, which the 70s one definitely did. And the musical pulls off quite nicely. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm with you. The 2005 one is cursed. Just the character choice they made with the central character, and I don't mean Charlie. Freddie Highmore is delightful. Yeah, he is. Um, He's delightful. (laughs) He did a very good job. Willy Wonka is terrifying. And not in all the ways they wanted. Yeah, they saw the wonderful, subtle, creepy performance of Gene Wilder and were like, how could we do the opposite of this? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Oh, dear. I think this has been, like, a nice balance. We have our second blurst of the podcast Mm -hmm. so far. We have 1970s Charlie and Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we have Anastasia. And Mm -hmm. then we have another curse to add to the cursed pile, which is still quite high. The movie I've selected for next week is going to add to one of the two piles of <laughs> the nature of this podcast. <laughs> I, <laughs> it's a movie I have been forced to watch mm, multiple times and that Shannon has not seen. Uh, I'm so afraid. <laughs> what are we watching next week? Cat in the Hat uh. with Mike Myers. Oh my god. <laughs> I think you'll find it charming... I can't remember if there's puppets, but there certainly is a man dressed as a cat. <laughs> you know how against people dressed as cats I am. Yes, and I think you're unfairly against Cats the Musical. I'm very against Cats the Musical. Well, I'm gonna see it. <laughs> Stay tuned for the Cats discourse. There will be Cats discourse oh. beginning next week with Cat in the Hat. Oh my god, I'm so, this is just gonna, I'm not normally of the opinion that a bad version of a thing can destroy the original thing, but <laughs> I get the sense this is gonna give give it the old college try, you know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know the answer to that. I just, I've seen <laughs> images of... Mike Myers as the cat in the hat, and... You don't know, Shannon. It might be lovely. It won't be lovely. It might be lovely. You said you enjoyed The Grinch, and is that not the same thing? (laughs) The Grinch is also, I feel like, on the bubble for Cursed or Blurs. Yeah, we were discussing it. Yeah. The Grinch is good. We're gonna have to watch The Grinch at some point. Yeah. Yeah. There, I think there are like there are more pertinent festive films to uh, to sort through, <laughs> but we will get to that eventually. Uh, so anyway, stay tuned for some cats discourse, Mike Myers and otherwise, memories all alone in the moonlight. Uh, help me. <laughs> and if help me isn't the motto of this week's <laughs> adventure into. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, I don't know what is. I'm never reading this book again. I'm done. Three in one day is too many. Oh, we're not going to watch the musical? No. Oh, Shannon. I watched the clip of Veruca getting torn apart, and I'm still... I'm still traumatized. The moral of the story is if you st- if you see a squirrel, stay the heck away. I, I can live with that. And with that, we'll leave you. Good night, dear listeners.